Hello, the internet, and welcome to Season 186, Episode 3 of The Daily Zeitgeist, oh, a production yeah. of iHeartRadio. This is a podcast where we take a deep dive into America's shared consciousness. It is Wednesday, May 26, 2021. My name is Jack O'Brien, a.k.a. Getting vaccinated makes me feel good. Getting vaccinated makes me all right. That is courtesy of Christy Yamaguchi Maine and uh, Dr. Feelgood, one of the first singles that I ever bought when I got into my heavy metal phase. Uh, and I'm thrilled to be joined, as always, by my co-host, Mr. Miles Gray. It's Miles Gray saying, Cobra comes in a can, Kirkland Signature House brand. Open the can, I really love that sound. Substitute while Jack's away, got Shrek 2 for you today. Get the AV card and hit Play. Anyway, we're moving to the country. You're gonna eat a lot of peaches. Thanks to Hank Scipio for that President of the United States of America inspired 8KA. Because I think that was you're pivoting off that tweet I was talking about yesterday where you know an elder millennial if you just hit him with the first part of Peaches come from a can. And I don't know that. People go with that. Don't you don't know, know that one. Uh-uh. You but, wait. Hold on. I don't know. Peaches you, come in a can. I, I might the, be too old. You know, but you remember the presidents of the United States of America. Did they do uh, lump? Lump? Yeah, yes. I know lump. I did. I think oh. I was out after lump, and like oh, okay. when they would pop up on MTV, I was like, "Oh, it's the like lump I'm off guy. this." Uh, yeah. The lump, lump was a catchy song that was almost like weaponized catchy. Like it was so catchy that it was like, yeah, uh, could have been developed by the CIA along with Winds of Change to uh, to just like <laughs> just infect us. Yeah, and then yeah, they teamed up with Weird Al for for Gump. He's Gump. He's Gump. Gump. He's Gump. He's Gump. I mean, yeah, he's malleable. On a bench, I have no idea how that song goes. Uh, Miles, we Mm -hmm. are thrilled and fortunate to be joined in our third seat by one of the very faces on Mount Zeitmore, the mountain featuring the faces of our fan favorite Daily Zeitgeist guest that's being built in my garage out of Legos and Mm Play-Doh and spit. Uh, he is the host of the podcast, The Worst Idea of All Time, in which he watched Grown Ups 2, Sex in the City 2, once a week for a year, uh, Till Death Do Us Blart, which is going to be going on for the rest of his life, I believe. <laughs> once a year, he will be watching Paul Blart 2 until he expires. Um, he is the hilarious stand-up comedian who you've probably seen making fun of American accents on his Comedy Central Yeah, what special. the fuck? The fuck is up with that, bro? <laughs> uh, he is the brilliant and talented Guy Montgomery! Hey, What's it's, up? Oh, wow. It's it's all true. I just think <laughs> you guys talk funny. Obviously, <laughs> obviously not to you, but right. to me. To me. What's the, fun, what's the funnest sound Americans make? I, uh, you're always like, Oh, I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> oh, Because <laughs> the thing I love about Kiwi yeah. accent is saying, like, when chips kind of becomes chups. Oh, uh, yeah, or, yeah. We, or, like, we, any of that orge that, you know, oh, that sort I of know, Australian I... kiwi sort of sound. Yeah, those are my favorites. But I guess it's just our, oh. Yeah, we swap a lot of eyes for yous. Yeah. yeah. We don't even know we're doing it. And when we do it, no one down here polices it. We all just sort of, we know what each other is saying. You get it. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's yeah. Not, <laughs> doesn't sound odd to the it's Kiwi actually, ear, it turns I out. Hadn't, I hadn't thought about it, but without traveling and our borders being closed, there's been a lot less um, sort of teasing about our hilarious cadence. Right. And, you know, we've all been striding around the country talking confidently. And then I get, <laughs> I get an email that says, you want to come in the Daily Zeitgeist? guys? And I say, sure. That sounds yeah. nice. I'm sure yeah. that won't be damaging for my self-esteem. Yeah. Right out and the here gate. we are. Bang. We've had enough of your uh, yeah. <laughs> confident uh, speaking. Hey, hey confident sick Kiwi deck accent. you built out here. <laughs> nice <laughs> cock. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow. That's, that is that's not why people, That's why people get New Zealanders to say nice dick. Oh, yes. right. The, the belief is that we're describing a... um. A penis. A penis. So, so penis obsessed as a people. Yeah. <laughs> that's all that's all Americans. Wait, so I, I mean out the middleman. Guy, were you joking or not? You're saying like tourists come and and clown your accents on your land? Or not your uh, land, but you know, the where your people settled. Uh people yeah, 
Yeah, Australians mostly. Australians are like, um, they're our high school oh. bullies. They're like, you so are like Australia the... to Canada. Oh, right. right. So, like, <laughs> so it is kind of true, like that relationship that they showed in Flight of the Concords. Yes, they love to ruffle our hair and yeah. tell us it's all okay. And it was all okay. Keitha comes over. Yeah, yeah. Before they ruffled our hair, it was fine. Oh, man. Well, uh, it's so good to have you back on the Daily Zeitgeist. Uh, we are going to get to know you a little bit better in a moment. First, just a few of the things we're talking about. We're going to talk about the right finally taking a stand against anti-Semitism. Uh, yeah. Where did that come from? We're going to talk about teaching American history uh, accurately, uh, being a plot from the devil, and you know how how the Catholic Church is uh, ghost busting that shit. We'll talk about the Olympics. Uh, the Japanese people do not want them there, and we'll we'll talk about why they're still happening. Uh, we'll talk about fans being back at sporting events, uh, at the movie theaters. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Plenty more, but first, guy. You know we like to ask our guest what's something from your search history. Oh uh, yeah, you guys love asking your guests that. Um, oh yeah, we love it. You know, you know. I was doing this last night before I went to bed, and one of the most recent ones is horse idioms. I was writing a joke about horses, right. and then I realized there are so many horse idioms. I thought right. I could try and go on a run, and so I just I was just looking at a list of idioms about horses. Lead a horse to water. Don't look it in the mouth when you get it as a gift. Which don't yeah. look a gift horse in the mouth. Is that yeah, it? don't look a gift yeah, horse yeah. in the mouth. But do did they just make up the word gift horse, or is that a is that a thing? I I, I actually could not trace the etymology of that. And right. you know, it's a, it's a shame because the the mouth is traditionally the most beautiful and detailed part of the gift horse. Yes. Yeah. Got the last chompers. Hold your horses. Yes. Yeah. They only yeah. live to be about 20 years and they'll be gone before you know it. <laughs> so hold them close. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> As they drift off to sleep uh, standing up. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I, I actually didn't wind up using pretty much any of them, but I'm up to my gills with horse idioms. <laughs> up to yeah. your mane in them. Yeah. yeah. Mane would have been better than gills. <laughs> Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I like <laughs> horses. I'm actually waiting for you to complete this joke, guy, because just knowing yeah. your just mastery of words and your just delivery, I'm like, I'm just excited to hear you're writing a joke that's about just getting deep on horse idioms. Oh yeah, yeah. Were there too many horse idioms that it, you couldn't fit them all, and you didn't want to beat a dead horse? <laughs> I mean, I don't. I... Come on, Jack. Quit horsing around. We're trying to figure out All what right. he's, his process is. <laughs> All right. Okay. All right. I see the roof trains leaving the station. <laughs> without you. <laughs> yeah, without me. Without no, the, no. the one, the one that I zeroed in on was actually, and one day I might, might post a, a clip online, was about straight from the horse's mouth. Yeah. Mm. Obsessed say, with horses. Yeah. yeah. What I, the fuck is I that? I say. Even? We gotta shut up this gossiping horse <laughs> trotting around town. <laughs> These Spilling horses can't secrets. keep a secret. Exactly. Right. Uh, so that's that's where we got to with that. And the one comedic take about about Donald Trump that everyone was like, "Yep, that's the right one." We can all stop. Was the horse in the hospital from horse John Mulaney? The, yeah, that's yeah. right. We just need things put into the shape of horses for the human brain. <laughs> it's the probably, American it's brain probably dating back to when we used to equate car power with how many horses. Horsepower, yeah. Right. So there's a lot of horsepower on that uh, on that joke construction there. <laughs> it's so funny to come up with that metric when it was probably relevant and be using right. it in 2021. <laughs> no one yeah, has we, any notion of how powerful a no horse No basis is. for comparison? Oh, 700 horses, you say. Huh. It's so abstract. <laughs> yeah, that seems like it would be a real clusterfuck if you tried to get 700 horses to pull something. They'd be going right. in different directions. Oh, what a mess. <laughs> now, why would he yeah, just freaking people out with just the number of horses you're saying? The horse part was like, I mean, you're getting about 400 horses here. I look, I don't, oh, God. oh boy. <laughs> Who's going to shoe them? And, oh, I don't know. Actually, I think we'll, I think I'll stick to the wagon. Yeah. Um, what is something you think is overrated, guy? Oh, man. 
flags, flags mm. uh, every. I don't, I don't know if it's because I haven't left New Zealand or people are just flying more of them, but I feel like so many people have got the New Zealand flag up at their house. And I just, whenever I see it, I always think, yeah. <laughs> you got it. I know. You got the right one. <laughs> <laughs> I am also here. Right. It's, it, it's happening. I mean, yeah, you guys love your flag. Yeah, actually, oh, I will man. say, the gra- uh, your flag has become something that's a more complicated symbol than it was, but the graphic design, one thing that, that cannot be taken away is you guys have a, a very good looking flag, I think. Oh, that means a lot s- to me, guys. Fucking whack. Really? Mm. If you neuralized me men in black style and then and took away me, any context from what took this, away that, any context, I bet the American flag would be like top 10 flags in terms of like that's a that's an objectively uh good looking flag. Yeah, I think it's cool. We got a we got a stinker. We I would probably be like down <laughs> with like the Mozambique flag because I just love that it has like an AK-47 and like a <laughs> oh, yeah. hoe on it and shit. And you're just like, oh, yeah, let's go here. We yes. off to Mozambique. Yeah. But yeah, I think. The, wait. So but the flag thing, is that normal? Like is like around Anzac Day, you know, your days. Of oh, remembrance yeah, you've got, there. Yeah, yeah, Do you yeah. fly a lot of flags and things like that? Yeah, or is yeah. It, the 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 flag is it's representative here the way it is you know in, in a lot of countries but I just you know it's the sort of it's the day to day sort of yeah. just flag flying everywhere oh uh, yeah I always think you know I'm not getting that confused but maybe some people are maybe uh, I assume it's mostly like old wealthy people who need constant reminders of the country that they're in. But is right. that like, is it, is it tied to like, sort of like how in America, if you see someone loaded up on flags, you're like, this is probably some kind of ethno nationalist type person. <laughs> yeah, yeah, is yeah. it the same, uh, is no, it adjacent no. vibes, but you or you're literally yes, like, it's yeah, probably just yeah. an old nice person. Uh, it's not quite with the same vim and vigor. Right. Like if you see, a, if you see a lot of flags anywhere, I always think it's like, okay, this yeah. person's feels strongly about things, but it's like our own sort of. New Zealand version of it. It's it means that they're not totally chill, but they're still probably a, a bit chill, right? Mm-hmm. There's um it, looking at flags, Jack. Yeah, I'm just in the I'm in the market for some <laughs> flags. <laughs> the O'Brien family crest flag, because that's another thing that you see. I used oh, to see it a lot at like horse farms in Kentucky. Would be like people flying their like coat, coat of, of arms, arms flag. Right, I love but, that. The O'Brien. I love that the horses and the flags and the whole thing. It's all yeah. dovetailing together quite yeah, nicely. Yeah, it's all coming together. And there's a lot of idiomatic flags: the red flag, the white flag, the <laughs> checkered flag. Yeah, yeah. But there's the Jersey Shore, and even the part of the Jersey Shore that I go to that I I tend to argue is not is not the one that you see on the MTV special. There's it's full of kind, you know, fine people from the Philadelphia area. But there are so many flags and it's just American flag or eagles or it's almost always American flag or eagles, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles, NFL oh, Eagles, Eagles. <laughs> and that's it. Like, it's just interesting that sometimes you can get to a point in a community where not having a flag says more. Where it's like those people right. don't fly a flag. They're, they're yeah. like, you know, conspicuously not flying the flag. Yeah, keep your eye on them over there. Yeah. yeah. They don't have any allegiance to anything. Yeah. Right. <laughs> we believe in nothing. What is something you think is underrated, guy? I got to tell you, we're all experiencing it right now. Underrated podcasting at 6.30 a.m. <laughs> <laughs> right. I got a full moon out my window. There's not a oh, single yeah? <laughs> sign of daybreak. And... When you were running through the topics we're going to cover in this episode, I thought, wow, I'm really going to wake up and get educated in real time. Right. <laughs> ready to talk anti-Semitism in a second, yeah. guys, 6.30. <laughs> of a couple hours of sleep with our wicked accents. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready. Guy, the thing you have to understand. About, <laughs> that's my impression of your impression of an American accent. Oh, guy. <laughs> <laughs> was that joke about podcasters or just American guys? It was just American guys. Oh, it's okay, just guys. Right, right. American men know lots. And in yeah. New Zealand, <laughs> right. we 
we sort of downplay what we know. So if you know a lot about something and someone goes, do you know about this? You go, oh, a little oh, bit. Really, yeah. And in America, if you say a little bit, then they're like, oh, well, don't worry. I'll educate you. <laughs> right. In New Zealand, there's like this mutual understanding. That means that you, you sort of know enough that it's okay. Yeah. And so right. it took me a while to unlearn that part where it's like you have to broadcast information and confidence just so that you don't wind up being talked to. Right. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, you're just like at a like a frozen yogurt place in L.A. And you're like, yeah. yeah, you know how this works? You're like, yeah, I, I think you just put the time. Here's the deal, guy. I'm just going to call you. I don't know if that's even your name. All right, guy, here's what you're going to get this cup, and you're going to pull this lever like this, man, and then it's going to come out. Get it to the amount that you want it to. The thing is, they weigh it. So if you go too heavy on the fro-yo, you're going to be paying through the teeth for this stuff, and you have to go light on the toppings. Miles, you joke, but that is like <laughs> it's honestly what it is like as a tourist in America. And then a four-hour-long Bubba Gump-style recounting of every type of uh, frozen yogurt flavor yeah. there is. Yeah. <laughs> mango. Now that's lychee. that's if you're going uh, pink berry. If you're going red mango, uh, you got all. It's a whole different ball game. Yeah, pal. It, 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 and then it, it evolves into you just tied up in a basement with like your eyes pried open, like you're in the fucking Ludovico treatment and fucking Clockwork Orange. Yeah. I just asked if Sprite came out of this fountain. That's it. Right. Why am I, I was bound being, to this chair? I was being polite. I knew. <laughs> oh man, this guy. Hey. Brenda, this guy's never used one of the Coke machines so you can make it taste like anything. Right. Yeah, get the chloroform. We're going to have to educate this guy. Get the chloroform. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, no. Oh, it's good to laugh. <laughs> it is good to laugh sometimes. Speaking of the full moon outside your window, is that... That flower moon? No, no, we get we're getting a um we're getting a full blood moon tonight. And I was reading yesterday in the local uh, newspaper. I'm I'm visiting my folks in Arrowtown, New Zealand, birthplace of the world famous arrow, which you guys might use. Um, <laughs> the but, the symbol or the yeah 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 tool you know them yeah yeah, yeah, like, yeah. help you get places. Uh, uh-huh. this is prime viewing okay. spot for the blood moon. Which is like, oh, there's a, yeah, there's a, lun- a full lunar eclipse at 11, 11 p.m. this evening. If I can stay awake that long, I'm yeah. very excited. You're, you're up getting in line for a good spot for that viewing, huh? <laughs> yeah. 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 6.30. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what's the flower moon? What was that thing you were talking about, Jack? I think it's called like a flower blood moon. Like there's a convergence of moon oh, got types it, got it. that uh, make this one extra unique. Uh, yeah. That... I, I just wish I knew more about moons uh, so I could talk some New don't, Zealanders ear off about them. Don't feel too badly about it, man. <laughs> it's okay. It's not that interesting. We haven't even got a guy there, you know? Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh, man. I would love to talk to you about about the moon race. Uh, the hold on. Race. Oh, wait. Hold on. You think we got to the moon? <laughs> yeah, Brenda, Brenda. Brenda. <laughs> At the floor, floor. Get Just the- wild-eyed. <laughs> Get the lithium this time. Wait, get lithium? the lithium. <laughs> lithium. <laughs> oh shit! All right, let's take a quick break, and we'll be back. And we're back. And now uh, it turns out the right in america the right wing in america the conservative part of the country republicans uh it's also like the mainstream media seems to be uh using the phrase anti-semitism more than they were even during the trump administration when people were going into synagogues and committing like the most uh deadly anti-semitic attack of all time it seems like now is uh, a time when anti-Semitism has become a a central uh, tenant of the conversation in America. The uptick in the anti-Semitic hate crimes that's come out of, you know, the, just the news of the conflict, or, you know, the yeah. attacks from Israel against Palestine. It's allowed a group of hateful people to sort of seize that moment to sort of begin using like to conflate on their own people being critical of the Israeli government with yes these people's hateful agenda of against Jewish people or the religion of Judaism. And 
Yeah, like you're saying, you know, the, this has been kind of the brand for the GOP is sort of turning a blind eye to anti-Semitic rhetoric, especially when it's coming from their side. Because um, you if you know, you look at Marjorie Taylor uh, Gestapo from the House. She mm-hmm. recently made a comment of likening mask wearing the mandated mask wearing to like the Holocaust. And everyone was like, that is just the worst take. Stop saying stuff like this, especially what's happening right now with all this. Anti- like, just w- like, what are you doing? Most people came out pretty quickly to, to call it out. Whereas, you know, Kevin McCarthy, the, the House Minority Leader, took a very long time. And then finally, just this week, yesterday said, oh, I totally disagree with her. That's so bad and wrong. You know what I mean? But then I'm he had thinking, to do his wait. own research, Miles. He had to do his own research like well, the people on the right are always telling me to I'm do. I'm doing my own research, too. And I was I was remembering it was only in fucking February or the end of January when they tried to oust her from the house because of all the nonsense she was saying. This is if you recall. She was doing things like like during her campaign, posing with white supremacists and then refusing to announce them sharing videos where there's a Holocaust denier on saying that there's, quote, an unholy alliance of leftist capitalists and Zionist supremacists. Have they have schemed to promote immigration and miscegenation with the purpose of breeding us out of existence in our own homelands? That was someone, you know, she shared that video. She she also uh, approved. She said she was like behind, not behind, but supportive of a claim that the Israeli intelligence service assassinated JFK. And then, like, uh-huh. the Rothschilds were using, I remember, lasers from space to set yep. forest fires. Yep. And 199 of these Republicans voted to keep her in the House. Right. Yet now, because of, you know, I think because sort of def- the deference to the Israeli government has sort of just been the norm for mainstream politics on the left or the right, this is now sort of suddenly now the this sort of stand against anti-Semitism is like the tack they're using to sort of protect the status quo and it just it just smacks of such hypocrisy given all of the things that's happened even like you're saying with trump and you know him calling the people at charlottesville good people on both sides even though they were saying things like jews will not replace us right that it just it's a real head scratcher now to see that this is part of them trying to gain some kind of moral high ground yeah it's it's interesting alan dershowitz uh a month ago accused bernie sanders (laughs) <laughs> of being anti-Semitic for criticizing the Israeli government's uh, policy towards Palestinian people. Bernie Sanders, who is a practicing Jewish politician, was, yeah, he's anti-Semitic, but Dershowitz is all on board with the party that is backing Marjorie Taylor Greene. It just kind of puts the lie to everything that they... I don't know that this line of argument that you can't criticize the Israeli government without uh, being anti-Semitic. But then you have people in the party who are like George Soros and the the people right. of his ilk, they're blood suckers. And you're like, what? I, I'm right. sorry, that is you're not going to say anything about that. That is what those are the seeds that they're sowing. Right. So yeah. it's really and because I think, sadly, all forms of, you know, Islamophobia, transphobia, racism, anti-Semitism just become part of a brand where they are trying to like sort of court new voters. It's just becoming this. I don't know. It almost seems like just an easy thing for them to just keep doubling down on this rhetoric for more fringe voters. Yeah. And Islamophobia is almost never talked about in the mainstream media as a problem. Well, yeah, because. These are sort of how especially American media and politics works is they take a significant societal issue and they use it as a barb by acknowledging how dangerous it is. Oh, this is anti-Semitism is so dangerous. But then what are they doing to actually address these things? If, If racism and police violence are dangerous things, what are the solutions to them? Because it's just always this disingenuous thing of like pointing to a problem saying, yes, that's bad, but we're not going to do anything about it. And those little embers that they don't extinguish just turn into these gigantic, violent wildfires that we have to, you know, encounter in real physical space. Right. All right. Let's talk about the Catholic Church. Uh, We always try and bring it up, you know, at at least once every episode. Uh, The Catholic Church, the goat, you know, been doing it for the longest, uh, (laughs) just crushing it. But, But there's a piece of the New Republic about how their priests doing exorcisms 
to help protect this good Christian land from critical race theory. Essentially. Yeah. This is just a list of what people have been doing. In Portland, an archbishop led a procession into a public park where he conducted a Latin exorcism to dispel the evil spirits left by a racial justice activism who were mm-hmm. there just in the name of social and racial justice. A priest had to come and be like, we got to get these bad vibes fucking out of here. Mm-hmm. Uh, the very same day in San Francisco, another archbishop did a similar rite at a site where they basically pulled down a father of Junipero Serra, who California kids know, like we were taught he was the Spanish friar who came and, you know, helped the indigenous people convert to Christianity and created the missions and all the, the El Camino Real or forcibly had these indigenous people convert to Christianity. So this man and then also just the violence that was enacted on his behalf. But he was with like nuns praying the rosary all again to purify this place. And we're seeing this kind of turn into many different avenues like where yes there are even like there are people who are saying that things like intersectionality and marxism and black lives matter and critical race theory are like works of the devil they're demonic and they Mm. need to be exercised and this is just sort of i think a wave of clergy that are just doing more than cheering on donald trump which they didn't become too rare at that time because of his you know anti-abortion stance but now these people are like weaponizing these religious rights to create this like moral high ground panic around these societal shifts to just keep the culture wars going. Won't they be sectioning members of their churches further and further afield from like, I don't I mean, I don't know what the future for traditional Christianity, whatever it is, but are these outliers within religion in America or is this? I mean, in the U.S., the Catholic Church has not doesn't have a great record on progress because you'll have things where like you know nancy pelosi is like i'm a good catholic and then her archbishop comes out with a wild take that's like completely like you're like whoa no 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 that's not i don't even think jesus would have got down with that take right now but i think it's because there's this really interesting thing about especially with the catholic church in the united states there was this book written by father brian massingay was a black priest And he talks about how U.S. bishops, they were always condescending towards the civil rights activists. And the also thing within the Catholic Church in the United States, and I'm sure just everywhere, as we see, it's all sort of centered around like whiteness, um, like from the aesthetics to the music to the theology. Mm -hmm. And on top of that, they also look at racism as like an individual problem like a bad yeah. habit versus a societal one where we're actually acknowledging sort of these systems of oppression. And because of that, it keeps the church from being able to have a really proper reckoning to even look at, you know, their own introduction of slavery into the United States or their history with segregation of the black students in schools or churches and things like that. Right. The churches would just be clutching to whatever sort of reach and power they you know i i can't imagine any any church that's spearheaded by an old white guy is really want to going to take a look at itself in the mirror and readdress anything you know i mean i would say that like it's it's definitely different based on different churches and different priests and like i've definitely seen catholic priests who are very social justice minded and like really mm-hmm. focused on like the unhoused community and like charity work and this, this is the this is the traditional or the assumed you know this is what a church what church is meant what to you represent. would think a tr- right, right right yeah but then i do think that there is because of the way i mean it kind of ties into what we were talking about up top just the way that religion has been politicized and weaponized and you know it's just a cudgel used to fight these uh, cultural battles in a lot of cases. And the one thing that the where the U.S. Catholic Church or just the Catholic Church in general lines up to the right is the abortion debate. And so that is, I think, exploited a lot of the time by the right and, you know, certain Catholic bishops and mm. certainly the Catholic Church has uh, I'm going to go out. I'm going to come out, guys. It's had its problems. Um, <laughs> it's not it's not uh, batting a thousand, I would say, in the 20th century. What's wild, though, is like, you know, it's when misogyny and like whiteness are at the center, like it's not going to 
it's going to have trouble shedding those habits just overall. I know like, you know, there was the, in the sixties, there was like a brief blip where the Catholic church almost went a little more progressive, but then that tightened very quickly back up. And I think this is all with this sort of background right now too, where, you know, in the U S there's this thing guy, the 1619 project, which was written by this journalist, Nicole Hannah Jones, it's Pulitzer prize winning work of journalism, just looking at all the underpinnings and how, systemic racism since the introduction of African slavery in this country still reverberates to this day, how it's everything is still connected and drawing very clear lines from that moment to where the situation we find ourselves now in the United States. Because of the clarity of this piece and the reporting, this entire project, conservatives do not want this taught because it is a unflinching look at the entire legacy of African slavery on the United States and how it built this country. And a lot of this is all because they just do not want to inform people. And that's what's really disheartening is that it's it's part of a thing where, again, the U.S. has many reckonings that it has not experienced. But this one especially, like we're going to the point where, you know, the board of board of trustees at North Carolina, she was meant to be in this tenured position. It's a Republican control controlled this board of trustees because it's appointed by politicians in the state. So because of that, they were able to take her tenure away. And it's caused right. a massive, massive controversy because like this is this goes against so many norms it's, to do this. But uh, yeah, so is it all it all is protection of power. I mean, which is what yeah. the church has yeah. been practicing since for, forever. And it's just like the I feel like the political and, you know, the visibility of the political and religious lines and you know, their shared desire to protect whatever limited power they have. And like, I mean, yeah, it's, and it, it sounds like they're going to sideline themselves, but I guess there's a huge volume of people who prescribe these beliefs and will believe what they're told by these institutions. What, what's, what was like in New Zealand, right? You know, what's, how is the sort of colonial history of New Zealand taught to like uh, you as it, as like when, when you're younger, like how does, how is the, how has the country dealt it's with those sort of origins? Pretty poorly. Uh-huh. Uh, and it's something that's changed. I mean, I, w- I haven't been in school for, I guess, 18 years or something now, but um, something that's changing in, in real time. And like even Māori, which is the, the Tangata Whenua, they're the people of the land, uh, and Māori is our indigenous language. The school I went to, I wasn't, you know, you get taught the most – I'd say probably at Montessori, I was taught the most Māori I got taught in my life. And then in school, I wasn't really taught anything or, you know, the perspective of history as told by Māori and what happened when they came and got colonized. Mm. There is a, a slow tide change of like reckoning with that. And, and has um, there been like just as a similar, I'd imagine, backlash to people wanting to like preserve this very sanitized view of like what it means to be. Again, the people with the flags on their front lawn are calling talkback radio and they are in quite a, quite a tiz, but (laughs) thankfully they don't articulate themselves with the same intensity outside of the four walls of their house. I mean, there is, there's always, you know, there's always pushback, but it's, um, it's different. Yeah. It's again, it's difficult to know because the people you surround yourselves with and you know, like you don't know whether or not the, the part of the country or the world that you're living in is an echo chamber and all of the stuff that you're talking about is not reflected beyond who you're who you're with. But it does right. feel as though there's a a genuine effort taking place to actually try and Yeah. And I think the the people who want to have that effort understand the importance of understanding your history across the board. To know yeah. where you come from and the things, the mistakes, the terrible decisions that were made along the way so they're not repeated. And it's just such a it, it, it's it's so disheartening to see that something as simple as like this all happened, and now your whole thing is like don't tell fucking anybody. Don't uh, yeah. teach kids about this shit I can, right now. I can to an extent chart my own relationship along those lines of thought because I remember at school I sort of, you know, I'm a, a white guy in New Zealand who just history was not especially New Zealand history wasn't especially interesting to me because I suppose because the, the, the ongoing ramifications of it were that they served me. And so I didn't feel inspired to learn about it. But then Mm -hmm. as time goes on, you know, you suddenly realize that they're very unhealthy foundations on which you're living your life and you, you do want to tear it up and have a look, but it's, um, yeah, there's a huge volume of people who would rather just 
keep the blinkers on and try and get to the end of their life without having to think that anything bad happened or that any of their ancestors caused any fucking carnage. Right. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's pretty similar to how the United States education system works. And like you were saying, that the lie that you were taught is one that serves you. And so it's almost it's just the lie is so much less interesting than the truth. And I feel like I would have been way more interested in history and literature. And if you had told me, look, you're living in like an unjust society that uh, is built on these unjust events and structures. And I think if you trusted people to, to learn that at a young age, like that when they're, sense of decency is intact their you know insecurities aren't up and i think that's why there's so much invested on blocking this from happening coming from the right to the point of making it illegal to to teach no nobody is arguing the facts like they're trying to change the context in which they describe the facts but they're trying to make it illegal to teach history yeah Mm. it's 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 I, I mean, I just even think of like just as a kid, like it took my dad and grandparents to teach me more about black history than anything I learned in class because they're like, what the fuck are they teaching you? They're like, yeah. no, no, no to everything you just said back to us. That's not what a fucked up mm. version of things. And it's funny because that actually drove my interest in history. That's what I ended up studying in college because I just. I was like, wait, hold on. It sort of grabbed me saying like, they're purposefully not telling you everything for whatever reason, whether they think it's too much for a yeah. kid to understand or whatever. There's a, I just felt like there's this untapped wealth of information that is being kept from me that is so vital to know because it also helps you understand the origin stories of cultures and things and to know like what which peoples came and what their impact was on a given nation's culture and things like that. And for the most part, you just sort of grow up thinking like, I don't know, Spain's like this, France is like this, England's like this, because that's what they are, rather than like, hold on, there's an entire history to actually understand, to know, and everything you see now can make sense if you can make sense of the history. It's part of the sort of homogenized, like, clean lines of learning where it's like, it's not, they don't want to teach you how complicated everything is, or you don't, like, I remember becoming or like you know coming of age becoming an adult and starting to find the world so complex and confusing and the thing about like i i I, it took me a moment to get my head around that if i measure it against like you know everything is just taught to the point of convenience or it's a a very pure drive to learn that you had there because you identified something within the curriculum or within your school that you're like this doesn't sit right because what i'm actually being educated by the people i trust means that there's so much more that's not happening right now because i feel like and, and maybe, you know, the school charters and the way that the curriculum is taught might be changing. But, yeah, it's fascinating, really. Yeah. If you told me at the outset of, like, the process of my education that we didn't have any of the answers, that, like, that we're <laughs> yeah. still trying to figure this shit out and it's an ongoing conversation, as opposed to the thing that always bored me the most about school was this idea that, well, yeah, so this is known we know all of this so it's actually not that interesting because it's just like it's this. finished I th- right i thought science was this thing that we had figured out and now it was over and like that's that's just it and there's no real questions to answer that are worth anything and the same thing with history at first you know that like history is just these events this is the people were there they told us this happened and for the most part that's how it happened and it's yeah the the actual mystery if you just restored that to the conversation like uh, yeah it would be and so then much you, more but then when you look at it enough you just sort of see these patterns of human behavior just moving cyclically constantly just with like new languages and borders and things like yeah. that but like it in a way when you look at it you begin to really see just sort of what how humanity operates and how it chooses to protect its you know ideologies or self-perception and i think that's what's interesting about knowing these things, because I'm sure if kids were taught about all of the things that were done to, you know, uh, keep the institution of slavery and the lengths that people went, 
that you mm. would see similar tensions now Absolutely. and be like, oh my God, it's almost like we never handled this. It's because right. we haven't. Mm. <laughs> but they don't want they don't want to teach kids that because I think they also see that, you know, this this fear for conservatives, like they go to colleges and they become these like leftists or whatever. It's like Dude, they're given new perspectives. And right. the, lo- the longer you protect that information, then the harder it comes for adults to reconcile because it like totally destabilizes yeah. the world that they think they're living in. And so the greater the reluctance grows to educate yourself. And then that's how you wind up with these lizards who are like, nah, you can't teach that. Right. It would fuck, it would fuck me up. And so it, it would fuck anyone up. Right. You want to make the information that kids learn at in college about like leftist values less powerful teach it to them when they're young make it so that it's always there and available to them instead of this secret information that's been hidden from them from uh day one you know yeah right same is true of lsd (laughs) yeah just give the kids lsd won't you yeah you got a bad trip when you're six you probably won't be touching the stuff (laughs) that's so true uh all right we'll be right back And we are back, and the Olympics are almost here. Oh, my God. Which is wild. I I don't know. I guess there's usually, like, this impending media, like, cloud that seems to always be looking forward to the Olympics, and in America, at least. I don't know if that's how it is in New Zealand, guy, but, like, I... The Winter Olympics, you realize it's happening once it's started and and mm. it's on TV and people are suddenly talking about it. But the Summer Olympics, I feel like, is always a big deal with like a lead up in the media and in the sports world. Or that kind um, of yeah. Simone Biles, the greatest U.S. gymnast of all time, uh, maybe the greatest gymnast of all time, has been like doing this routine on the vault that is like unprecedented. And that's that's really the only piece of mainstream news I've seen that like kind of crossed over into the zeitgeist where I would have been like, wait, why are we talking about gymnastics again? Oh, Uh, there's an Olympics coming. I also realize how ignorant I am to gymnastics because like Simone Biles just does things so effortless. I'm like, okay, yeah, that looks normal. Right, right, right. Right, And then then I remember I think it was like Franklin Leonard past guest or someone was like, can someone explain to me? Like, I know this is historical, this double pike Yurchenko that she just busted. But like, I don't, I beyond just seeing that looks like just some very cool shit. Well, and then someone's like, check out Mary Lou Retton's 1984 vault that got her a perfect 10 in 84. And you'll see how much the game has changed. And then you watch the tune. You're like, okay, right. She just came up, Mary Lou Retton just came up to the vault and then did a somersault underneath it. And that's what got her a perfect 10, <laughs> which is my, my famous vault. I think routine. it was the, 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 the judge's first time seeing a gymnast. I think that was the first event. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Pretty Whoa, good. Holy shit. There's an interesting thought experiment, that. though, that if you only watched Simone Biles, then you'd be like, God, wow. Incredible what? all gymnasts can do. (laughs) Right, right. And that is kind of how it is. That's the only thing that me, a non-gymnastics follower, like really sees is the greatest like single acts of... uh, Yeah. I'm sure that's true of like all sports, right? I mean, it's like like anything, right? Like someone might watch Jokic just land a weird shot and we're like, yo, that is difficult to even take a shot like that. Or people who play, you know, who think soccer is easy. Try trapping a ball that's coming from, you know, just <laughs> yeah. 40 feet above your head and effortlessly just trapping the ball. There are so many little skills that like, yeah, w- that are born out of ignorance. That's why I'm just trying, especially with Simone Biles, to inform myself so wow. I can truly appreciate just how next level this shit is. What you're, what you're talking about is very exciting to me, Miles. Hopefully there's some sort of large-scale international platform where the best athletes from every country can represent <laughs> themselves and show us these different these skills. skills. Well, well, guy, you are setup. in luck, friend. Because yeah. uh, Japan, Tokyo 2020, even though it's 2021. That's my favorite thing about these Olympics. Yeah. It's, it's like they think that no one is going to remember COVID. Like when we yeah. look back on this, we'll like, that's right, right. Those went ahead in 2020. That, those games are going to be asterisked to hell. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like when you look at a, do people still look at almanacs like I used to when I was playing <laughs> in San Diego? <laughs> but 
the whole thing with this is like right now, Tokyo is in terrible shape. Japan is in awful shape in terms of the COVID situation. The vaccinations have like stalled out. Less than 5% of people have their first shot. Major metropolitan areas have declared states of emergency. The Osaka uh, hospital system, they said, is completely under strain, if not like on the just brink of disaster because of the amount of people that are having to be admitted. And the United States government is even telling Americans like, don't even think about taking a trip to Japan right now. Don't even try it. Even though, is yeah, that, we're the probably the worst place on earth to go a few months ago, but don't even think about going there. Is that two Americans or American athletes? Two Americans. Ah. Now the United States Olympics and like Paralympics committee has said, don't even think about not going. To yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Simone Biles, you better get your ass on that plane because <laughs> right. we got work to do. But yeah, they the obviously the. The people representing the athletes believe that it's going to be a perfect bubble, no problem at all. Don't even worry about it. Meanwhile, the polling shows that even the people of Japan, look, on the other side of this, prior to it, I spoke to friends and family in Japan. They were like, oh, the Olympics are coming. That, that'll that be fun because, again, any opportunity for nationalism, Japanese people love, you know what I mean? I think like most countries. But, you know, for Japan, there's like certain sports where we really excel. So this felt like a good moment. Now. 80% of the people in Japan are against hosting the Olympics this year. 40% want a postponement. 43% want a complete cancellation. Yeah. So, you know, but since a lot of money's been made, what, are we going to reprint these t-shirts? No. <laughs> the t-shirts they print become 2020. More, the t-shirts become more valuable. Yeah. Right. You can, I would love... If these got canceled to get my hands on some Tokyo 2020 merch. <laughs> that is a hot games. ticket. Right. Who's who? Who spearheads a cancellation? Is it the IOC? Is it the Japanese government? Like, how does how would that actually? Function? I, that would have to come from the IOC because the Japanese government has not put up any resistance to the games. So it's going to take the executives for the IOC to wonder: Is this worth it? I don't know. I don't know what their calculus is. It probably does have to do with the amount of fucking merchandise that's probably been produced with the numbers 2020 on it or some shit but i don't know like i mean i would be interesting though too to see how many athletes if any refuse to participate they're like yo this is just reckless i'm sorry this mm. is just this seems so reckless it's, i don't know how i don't know if you want I mean, you want me to put myself at risk and other people like no nah, i'm off this that the, the athletic cycle of an olympic athlete is so yeah like they've got such right. a limited amount of opportunity to to be the best at what they do. And also so many of the sports that take place at the Olympics are just so, you know, like they're not, there's not a light on the shot on them in the three years in between every ceremony. Their careers so have I, the life cycle of a cicada. It's like you get this yeah. one chance to come out every, every four right. years. Exactly. And yeah. so, I mean, I can, I can understand purely from an athletic perspective, how some of these people are like, I'm, God damn, I've been working so hard for this. I just want to go to the Olympics once. Like, I might be there one opportunity. Yeah. And then, but you, I mean, it, I, I feel like it's, it's just, it's ridiculous that it's happening. And it's, it sounds like, yeah, money drives it. And if it's going to go ahead, then an athlete's going to be like, well, I have worked towards this. They're putting it on. I'm not going to not go. Right. And yeah. then I, it's sort of, it's a similar thing happened. I don't know if you guys, you almost definitely don't the the IPL, the Indian Premier League. It's a T Twenty cricket tournament that is the most expensive in cricket. It takes place every year in India, mm -hmm. and they, in the face of what was ostensibly looked like the worst COVID nineteen crisis that had happened across all of the pandemic, was raging through India, and then they created this biosecure bubble, and like you know, millions if not billions of dollars are being spent creating this league, and you're they're playing cricket and what is a biosecure bubble and then like it's so incongruous with the news you're reading about what's happening in india yeah and then about halfway into the tournament there was a biosecure bubble breach and all of a sudden that highly contagious strain of COVID is ripping through the players and then all of them are panicking and trying to get charter flights out of the country and you know i mean that india it didn't have the the facilities to you know take care of its citizens the people who who live there and I, I, I just can't have it feel like you're going to see. I mean, and I don't know if the IOC pay attention to that. They must have because it's the only other massive multinational sports league that's trying to take place in the middle of a 
of a, a hotspot, but yeah. it is a very damning warning and advertisement for what is almost inevitably going to happen if these games right. go ahead. I don't know what you can do to prevent that. I mean, I think in their mind, they'll be like, forget that example. What about the NBA bubble? That worked, yeah. huh? And they're right. like, well, yeah. don't, that's not, hold on. So you're selectively picking anecdotal evidence yeah, to yeah. justify this? Why, Miles, is the uh, number of vaccinated people stalling at under 5%? Is there opposition to like getting vaccines or I think it's just the distribution is just distribution not ship. happening yeah. uh, as efficiently as it can. But yeah, it's just, I think just getting it available has been the hardest part. Right. Yeah. All right. Well, staying on sports in American sports over the weekend, it was kind of a surreal experience where suddenly fans were back. Like the NBA playoffs kicked off over last weekend and Madison square garden in New York City, where the New York Knicks play, was packed to the gills with people like screaming and shouting and not masked up and packed to the main. Sorry, not the gills. Yeah, I was uh, gonna say. And, real horse's ass on that one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there was a golf major, and it went from there not being anyone on these courses, like watching the tournament, to like an unprecedentedly drunk and like out of control crowd, just like crowding the players and like pouring onto the course. Like, I don't know. My dad watches these. I don't watch them. My uh, parents are staying with us. And that he was just, he was like, I've never seen anything like this. They were like running up to the guy as he was like about to win the tournament, like patting him on the back and like grabbing him and shit. And he was like, what is happening? But it's, I don't know. It's it's surreal to see that many people in that small space in a world where we know that the U.S. is not really doing like strict vaccine passport, like vaccination passport. Mm. Uh, you know, the the New York Knicks and the New York Nets, uh, Brooklyn Nets, who also had full attendance or almost full attendance. They had they said that there was like 90 percent vaccination, but. I don't think they're like checking people's paperwork. Yeah. Maybe maybe they are, but I mean, it, maybe some level. I don't know. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to go to Game Three on Thursday. Of the Lakers. Of yeah, the Lakers. yeah. So we'll yeah. see. I know they just say pull up with your vax paperwork or whatever, and or like a negative PCR test from within 72 hours. But we'll see. You know. But people. Yeah, I guess they are. Yeah, but it's just it. Yeah, but there is this energy though to the like the Madison Square Garden game. I could not believe what I was saying. I think it's a combination of things. It's that new, it's the the Knicks are in the postseason again, right. I think, for right. starters, mixed with just the post-vax world that we find ourselves in. But yeah, it's, it's, I mean, people are able to switch it up real quick. I'm like just now being like a little bit more like, yeah, fuck it, baby. I'm, I'm feeling, feeling safer-ish. Yeah. I mean, mm. the world, like, uh, I flew back east over the weekend and everything is like fully masked up. And like, you know, when you're inside the airport, when you're on the plane, like you have to be wearing a mask the whole time. Still, somebody ordered like two drinks in a row and the flight attendant was like, uh, why don't we take a break? Because you need to put your mask back on because you've had it off, like having this drink for like, hey, five maybe minutes. Hey, maybe I need straight. another one. <laughs> I, think there was all, I think that was also at, at play. But the situation's so bad on airplanes. I'm surprised you didn't see some shit go down. Because didn't a flight attendant get her, or I don't know if it was a uh, who the who got the flight attendant got their teeth knocked out on a flight yeah. recently. But that people is people are so out of pocket. But they're still like making everybody wear their masks. You know, I didn't. I I had a you know a fake thing covering it. Conscientious objector <laughs> card that I held up, sir. Uh, it is my right. Uh, All right, get off, asshole. Get this asshole <laughs> off. He's saying some kind of body provenance weird. I don't know what the fuck he's talking about. But it's just funny that the place that they are letting people like finally experience the being in public without a mask is like this just most unhinged <laughs> like emotional environment where like it's encouraged to just lose your mind on 
the refs and the opposing players like the the Knicks game they were like chanting swears at like this young Trey Young <laughs> Trey Young this guy was like really good player young shit yeah and he did sh- tell them to shut guy the what's it been like for you winning. man because I know you've been really quiet during this whole section because probably because you haven't I know New Zealand's in a bad place you guys haven't had crowds in a minute so this probably well, sounds I, like found fantasy talk yeah to you. yeah <laughs> we can only dream. I, <laughs> I mean, yeah, we we've had crowds at sports games since I feel like maybe July or August last year, and um, the plan was to um, it was elimination. It means that you know, right. watching these American sports games and stuff, and you see people like all these people who are clearly pissed up and packed in close proximity <laughs> to people who presumably they didn't come to the game with with a mask hanging around their chin or right. off an ear or like holding it to gesticulate. <laughs> Just waving germs everywhere. Exactly. Yeah. We yeah. didn't, no one's wearing masks at the stadiums because the only, like you have to wear masks on public transport. You have to wear masks on airplanes, but in the airport, you're not wearing a mask. Like I don't actually know what the functionality of it is. And you know, it seems crazy to me that you wouldn't wear one all the way through the airport if you've got this, this sort of right. idea but um just on the plane yeah but so no i mean there's we've even recently we've started playing um there was a super rugby aotearoa competition which was like just within national borders there are five franchises who, who play rugby against each other and then in the last two weeks we've got an open travel bubble with australia now so quarantine free travel between the two countries and we've started playing uh, Super Rugby Australasia, I think is what it's called, or whatever. And now we're playing international matches, and you're watching sports games in Australia, where again people aren't wearing masks. But it, I mean, it's like going to a sports game was the first one of the first things I did when we got let out of lockdown, and it was like the the sense of I can viscerally remember the intensity and the relief and the excitement and just you know being in, in a crowd and all of that emboldened and underscored by the fact that we knew that we had isolated like that you know we had eliminated COVID-19 and so yeah the consequence was not there but I think it's it's just too di- I mean your guys experience of it and your relationship to it's so different I, I can't imagine <laughs> right. how difficult it would be to go to an NBA game if you're in New York and you support the Knicks and you're at Madison Square Garden for the first time what <laughs> 10 years or something and you've just gotten out of your house for the first time in two years right. yeah. you got to remember to fucking keep a mask over your your mouth right. like yeah trey young probably can't hear you the only way that you're going to get through to him is if you can read your lips yeah <laughs> right <laughs> yeah it's it's a it's the assumed responsibility keeps getting passed down to the individual like yep. it's it's yeah, the same thing with just like with the CDC's bizarre like mask mandates. We're like, I don't, yeah, if you should, well, actually, I don't know, maybe if, well, how old's your kid? And it's like, <laughs> yeah, what, yeah, what yeah. are the fucking rules? What the fuck? Right. Y'all are the, oh, forget it. Essentially, as a way to let businesses put it on businesses now to say, that's on you to decide because we don't, we don't want to be the boogie person anymore for the Chamber yeah. of Commerce who is allowed, like, these politicians are allowing allowing them to put more pressure on us and the other people who are trying to do right by this pandemic. Yeah. yeah. And also just box office continues to be, you know, it's not fully there, but it does seem like the people who are releasing movies are getting a better return than, like, The Wrath of Man, Jason Statham's new movie, is going to be the best-performing Jason Statham movie to date despite being like almost indistinguishable from uh other jason statham I, movies, <laughs> to a non-statham I'll, head yeah I, i'm not gonna sit by while you poo poo the filmography of the great jason statham <laughs> I, <laughs> but like the met you couldn't get i could not tell you the difference between the wrath of man and the mechanic two uh like in terms the mechanic of mechanic two yeah. yeah. Oh, no. Well, one of them is a sequel for a start. <laughs> yeah, my bad. But it's just, I feel like people, studios are probably realizing that they're leaving money on the table if they're continuing to not release movies. Like, there's just no competition, so you can really, like, do well. Mm. And Demon Slayer is continuing to. It's now made $45 million in America alone and is the biggest movie ever in Japan with uh, $400 million. And it's the biggest grossing movie of 2020. 
wait till Fast 9 comes out, Jack. Yeah. Then we'll start seeing. You know what I mean? Because the family, man, when your family or whatever the fuck that line, what is it? Olive, when you're here, your family. Maybe that's yeah. Olive Garden, not Fast and Furious. Yeah. But it's, I'm, the, I'm, the two share remarkable thematic yeah. similarities. <laughs> <laughs> it does. I, the, like the energy around that Fast and Furious movie, though, is kind of funny to see. Like, even though it seems jokey, but this does feel like a good time for a movie like that to come out in the U.S. for at least the people who want to be safe and go to theater. But yeah. Yeah. And, maybe that In New Zealand, they've been playing. I'm sure they're doing it in America too. You can go to the cinema and watch all the fast films at the moment. They're just rolling them out. Oh, really? It's so cool. Yeah, they, don't, yeah. they haven't done that. That sounds no. great. That's a great, great idea. Hype. Damn it. Because you can't really understand. America. Yeah. <laughs> you can't understand F9 if you haven't recently Why, taken yeah. an F1 through it. Uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Do I need to know the past material to understand this installment? Uh, yes. Uh, idiot. <laughs> what do you think? You're going you're gonna to make sense of a flying car in, in the fucking sky? No. Yeah. It's a, it was a light crescendo to this point. It's, it's less about the flying car and more about the relationships between the people in the car. In the flying cars. <laughs> right, right, right. Oh, see, so you just oh, so you're hung up on the car part and into the <laughs> air. What about the air between the characters exactly. and what's contained within? And if people uh, watch one through eight and have questions about why someone who always talks about family, uh, the Vin Diesel character who's obsessed with family, never mentioned his brother before this one. Mm. Yeah. You know. Oh, he has a brother in this one? Yeah, bro. John Cena. He should have also mentioned his brother is John Cena. That's a fucking big deal. That's Uh, that's an interesting casting decision. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Anyways, guy, have you is F9 out in New Zealand? No, no, not yet. Are you just treating New Zealand like a fantasy world? Like it's it's Fashion (laughs) Furious ten already out there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, and there's no COVID. That's cool. Although it's probably not as big a deal to have flying cars there since you actually have flying cars in New Zealand, right? Mm. We do. (laughs) And the horsepower on them is something uh, unfathomable. (laughs) (laughs) Guy, as always, such a pleasure having you. Where can people find you and follow you? Uh, you can find me at Guy underscore Mont on Twitter and on Instagram. Two social media platforms I wish I could leave, but cannot yet bring <laughs> myself to. That's where you can find me. Nice. Uh, is there a tweet or some other work of social media you've been enjoying? Oh, yeah. There was a tweet that really cracked me up. It was from a few days ago, but I knew this was coming up, so I saved it. I'm just getting it up. It was. um. By an account called, I don't know who this guy is, Jonathan Haynes, at Jonathan Haynes. And he's just written what an excellent five paragraphs. And it's a screen cap of a BBC News entertainment article. And the screen cap reads, Coldplay's Chris Martin says that the pandemic has forced him to reassess his relationship with fame. And I quote, last year was quite an eye-opener, he told BBC Radio 2. I was like, who am I without Wembley Stadium saying, you're awesome? I'm trying in my life right now to not attach too much to being a pop star. I'm trying not to get myself worth from external validation, end quote. He was speaking as Coldplay unveiled their new single, Higher Power. They premiered the 80s-inspired pop song on board the International Space Station overnight, <laughs> teaming up with French astronaut Thomas Pesquet, who beamed the music back to Earth by satellite. Oh, my God. How is that not? Oh, that's so brilliant. It was just like the most perfect satire piece of, you know, satire. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, but it's real (laughs) straight straight up, uh, spinal tap miles. Where can people find you? What's a tweet you've been enjoying? Twitter, Instagram, miles of gray. Also twitch.tv slash four twenty day fiance. Some tweets that I like. Oh boy. Let's see. Uh, this one is from at Hey Mando K. Tweeting, LOL, Joe Biden hasn't forgiven a cent of my student loans and he's emailing me for cash. Nice try, buddy. <laughs> um, another one is from Toby Herman at Toby Herman 27. It's like a four pain sort of picks, you know, four picks. You got Leonardo DiCaprio in a tuxedo vaping, Leonardo DiCaprio on a yacht vaping. And then the other side, we have Kate Winslet in Mayor of Easttown vaping in, in two different scenes. And it just says, near, far, <laughs> wherever. <laughs> you want to just open my 
<laughs> hitting these vapes so fucking hard. Yeah. Uh, and then one last one is from past guest Greg Edwards at Greg the Grouch. He tweeted, do they have O'Doul's for mushrooms? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Stupid. You can find me on Twitter at Jack underscore O'Brien. Tim Barnes at Tim Barnes 451 tweeted, this summer I'll be walking around shirtless in New York with a boombox blasting podcasts. <laughs> and then I, I, I had another screen cap uh, like guys that I wanted to read. If you'll indulge me, Robert Moore tweeted, wait, hold on. What? Uh, and tweeted a screen cap from book forum. When Einstein died in 1955, his brain was removed during an unsanctioned autopsy at a hospital in Princeton. Later at the university of Pennsylvania, a pathologist named Thomas Stoltz Harvey sliced it up for research purposes, but kept some of the slivers for himself. In 1988, Harvey, who'd since been stripped of his medical license, moved to Lawrence, home of the University of Kansas, where he presented one of the slivers to local author William S. Burroughs, after whose death in 1997 it passed into the possession of, I'm going to stop now because I don't want to get anyone in trouble. Let's just say that when I was in Lawrence teaching at KU, this was a thing that still happened, a hazing that was also an homage. You scooped the bit of Einstein's brain out of the jar and shook off the excess formaldehyde. Then you put some salt in the crook of your thumb and licked it, after which you took down a shot of cheap room temperature tequila and sucked on the brain bit until your mouth went numb, until the formaldehyde paralyzed your lips and tongue and you couldn't be understood. You couldn't even feel yourself trying to make language. That's <laughs> a real thing that is happening wow. as we speak, presumably in what? Kansas. They're sucking on a chunk of Einstein's brain and getting high off formaldehyde. The world That's is a very weird place. So fucked up. And I don't even want to think of the cool. Same time, I wouldn't. I mean, I, I would totally write that into my will if I thought people would actually suck up my brain. Because who knows? You know, we sounds know like so an incredible high. Brain. Right. <laughs> I mean, and also you're probably. It, uh, God, can you imagine the insufferable asshole who just came off of a Einstein brain bender? Oh, and he's like, gosh. dude, you don't even know. Like, yeah. the shit I'm understanding now is like microdosing. Like, you, yeah. if you haven't done it, like, I don't even know how to explain it to you. Anyways, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Daily Zeitgeist. We're at The Daily Zeitgeist on Instagram. We have a Facebook fan page and a website, dailyzeitgeist.com, where we post our episodes and our footnotes. Footnote. Where we link off to the information that we talked about in today's episode, as well as a song that we think you might enjoy. Miles, what song should people check out today? I'm just still thinking of the process of that shot. You, you put some salt right here on your thumb, right. you lick it, you do a shot, and then you're sucking on the brain matter. Instead of mm. the lime. But then that piece goes back in the formaldehyde? Yeah, bro. I mean, it's not going to get, you're not going to get anybody else's germs. It's just so the formaldehyde is going to kill that. I'm just thinking that. of like the, inte the structural integrity of that little sliver of gray matter. You know what I mean? Right. How many suckings can it handle before it starts turning to gravy I, in your mouth? We're talking about freaking Albert Einstein's brain, Miles. I think it's pretty <laughs> strong. Do <laughs> <laughs> you imagine? I'm like hell bent. I'm like, Jack, I'm leaving the show to try and become a biology person at KU. I'm going to chew on that motherfucking brain. I'm going to find out. But it is such like fourth grade logic <laughs> that these <laughs> yeah. like the people at the height of whatever their academic pursuits are, uh, are engaging in. Uh, uh, anyway, alcohol. the song, what else? What uh, the song we write out on. This is going to be a track by Dirty Art Club. Uh, I've done a few tracks by Dirty Art Club before, but this one is called Videotape. And this whole album is called FMTI. It's a very, it's like, like spooky background music because it's not just quite like cheesy you know like sort of music that would just be playing there's good curation and production around it and given a little more vintage sound so it's like a very familiar it feels like sort of if dj shadow took it easy on like the hardness of the beats and stuff and just mm. gave you a little something that he was sampling from but still with some funk so check this out videotape by dirty art club all right, go check that out. The Daily Zeitgeist, a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. That is going to do it for us this morning. We're back this afternoon to tell you what's trending, and we'll talk to you all then. Bye. Bye. Bye.